So I, I think you get the idea that we send the Bibles out in the Bible materials, but these people all over the world, that's one country. We send them to Mongolia. We send them to countries all over the world, and the idea is that the word gets out. And the gospel of Jesus Christ is going to the most remote parts, and just to be a small part of that is really humbling. So now I'm going to pass it over to Brother Graham, and let's hear what he has to tell us this evening. Well, thank you very much for this opportunity of being able to come and share with you something regarding the work of the Society. It's good to see the Chapel Library. It's been a great joy, great privilege to do so today. But you've seen something about the distribution of the word. TBS is anxious to get faithful and trustworthy translations of God's word into the hands of the people. So what I want to do is take a backward step, as it were, and just talk to you about the basic principles regarding the Society's work in translation. We translate from the original tongues, the Hebrew and Greek scriptures. So you have the Old Testament in Hebrew, the New Testament in Greek. So this is the complete word of God in the original tongues. This is our basis of translation. When you translate, you always lose something. So if you translate from a translation, you lose even more. So that's why it's important to have people who have Hebrew and Greek abilities to translate directly into the target language. But there are important principles that the society works upon when we do this kind of activity. Three times in the Word of God we are warned not to tamper with the Scriptures. It comes at the beginning, Deuteronomy, where we're told not to add to the words or to take aught from it. And then in the middle, in Proverbs 30, verse 6, we're told not to add to his words lest we be found liars and and then of course the famous prohibition at the end of the book of revelation these are very solemn sobering warnings to us all so when we translate we have to be as careful as we possibly can be remembering this is the word of god and proverbs 30 verse 5 reminds us that every word of god is pure uh, that means that each word inspired by the Holy Spirit has to be given due consideration, seeking to convey as much of the sense of those words into the target language. So it's a tremendous responsibility upon the shoulders of the society and upon the shoulders of those who are working as translators under the auspices of the society. So we believe in a word-for-word -word translation method as far as that is possible. Of course, Languages vary in the word structure, the language structure, the sentence structure, what's called the syntax, and the way you say things in one language might be the very opposite way you say them in another language. So that has to be taken into consideration, but the formal equivalence method of translation is the method the society adheres to, and that's the time-honoured method of translation. It's a more of a novel idea that is promoted today, a kind of dynamic equivalent. So you try to pick up the ideas and the, the, the thoughts and concepts of the Bible and then try to convey that into something similar into the target language. But surely what better way of translating the Bible than to keep to the very words the Holy Spirit inspired in Hebrew and Greek. So that's the, the basic principle TBS seeks to adhere to. But nevertheless, all sorts of difficulties and problems arise when it comes to translating the word of God, because there are some languages that are so impoverished when it comes to words for spiritual concepts, it becomes a real problem sometimes 
trying to convey the sense of the scriptures into these various tongues. So what would TBS do in certain difficult circumstances? Let me give you some examples. You take, for example, a tribal group in Africa. They've never seen snow. They've no idea what snow looks like or feels like. So you're translating the prophecy of Isaiah. You begin with chapter 1. You come to that beautiful gospel verse, though your sins be as scarlet, they should be as white as snow. So they've never seen snow. So it might be suggesting, this is more of the modern approach, well, they don't know what snow's like, so let's use a word to convey something else that's white, like as white as corn flour, as white as dove's feathers, or as white as coconut. Now, you might think that's a good idea, but what happens when you come to chapter 55, where it talks about the rain, the snow coming down from heaven? You've now got corn flour coming down from heaven, <laughs> which apparently waters the earth. So you've created an absurdity in trying to resolve what seems to be a difficulty to the beginning. So what would TBS do in those circumstances? Well, if there is a word for snow in that language, even if it's an unusual word, use that word. And if there isn't a word for snow in that language, you have to invent one. That's the time-honored method. That's what Tyndale did, William Tyndale, 500 years ago. He had to coin certain words like Passover, atonement, scapegoat, People had to learn what those words meant, and it's very much part of Christian vocabulary has been ever since. Mm -hmm. So that's the time-modern method of translating the Word of God when these uh, difficulties arise. Now, as I mentioned, these solid, well-proven time-modern methods have been uh, departed from in more recent times. We heard of one translation group that was translating for a tribal group in Africa, and this group uh, knew nothing about sheep or lambs. They knew about pigs, but not sheep or lambs. So whenever they came across the word sheep or lamb in the Bible, they put the word pig in its place. Now, you know and I know the teaching concerning the lamb in the scripture is of tremendous importance regarding the gospel. The typology of the Old Testament has to do with the lamb and the lamb of God, our Lord Jesus Christ. Would you like that lovely gospel text? Behold the Lamb of God. Would you like the word pig inserted into that verse? We shudder at the very thought. But that's the sort of thing that's happening when these well-known, well-proven principles are uh, departed from. In fact, it gets worse than that. We, we heard of a translation group some time ago that was producing what was called a Muslim-compliant Bible. Now, as you know, Muslims have a problem regarding the biblical teaching of God as a father and God having a son. So they had filtered out every reference to God as a father and God, Jesus Christ, as his son. They put other words instead. And this has caused all sorts of problems on the mission field. And there's been a petition that's been got up by missionaries serving on the mission field because it's caused all sorts of problems for them. And this is terribly dishonouring to the Lord, dishonouring to the word of God. And uh, we trust that people start to see the error of their ways regarding these things. Once you move away from the sound principles, all sorts of other things can happen. I was taking a meeting some years ago in the Midlands of England. And uh, at the end of the session, there was time for questions. And one man was asking me, 
what I thought about some missionaries who'd gone to a remote part of Brazil. And this part of Brazil, this tribal group, knew nothing about bread. They knew nothing about making bread. Their staple diet was bananas. So whenever the scriptures mentioned the bread of life, they put the word bananas in its place. He wanted me to tell him, or to explain what I thought of that idea. Well, I've explained to him what I've explained to you already. So how important these things are. Then there's another way in which these principles can be departed from. People will say, well, modern man doesn't like to hear too much about blood. It's sort of unpalatable, puts him off. So whenever the Bible speaks about blood, we'll use an expression like violent death in its place. Well, again, as you know, the teaching concerning the blood in the Old Testament was of utmost significance, pointing forward as a type and shadow of the precious shed blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Others will say, well, the modern man doesn't understand words like atonement or redemption or grace, so we'll put some other phrase to try and convey something of what these words mean. But has there ever been a time when the average man walking down the street knows what grace and redemption and atonement mean unless it's been explained to him? And that's the task of the church of Jesus Christ, isn't it? To gather people where possible, to instruct them regarding these important principles, to gather children in Sunday school or youth groups, or to speak to people on the streets, to gather people in whatever opportunities open to explain the fundamental doctrines of the gospel. And that's our task. And it has been rightly said, the most important thing translation is not the audience, but the author. It's God's word, isn't it? And we have to keep to what God says in his word. We're not to water it down to make it more palatable to modern man. We are to try to instruct people, to bring people up to the level of Scripture, rather than bring the Word of God down and, uh, and, and, in, and uh, water down its influence and its teaching. So these are important principles. We have to ask ourselves the question, what do we really want at the end of the day? Do we want a so-called inoffensive Bible, or do we want the Word of God accurately translated? Some years ago, I remember a well-known London pastor saying that when he was doing doctoral studies, the class was given a legal document and they was asked to read the document and then to rewrite it in a, a simplified form. And uh, they did their best to do so. At the end of the session, the lecturer said, now what you've done would be of no use whatsoever as a legal document. Because in the process of simplification, you've lost so much of what is there in the main text. And that's what happens when the Bible is simplified in the process of translation. Well, our task is to translate it accurately, trying to find the very best words, the most suitable words, con to convey the sense of the original in the target language. So when we're looking for translators, we're looking for people who have a high view of Scripture. They believe it's the inspired Word of God. They love the Lord. They're born-again believers. They have a high view of Scripture, and they adhere to these important principles that TBS holds dear. And we're thankful for the way in which the Lord brings to the society people who are qualified in this way, who have a great burden for their fellow countrymen, as you've seen in, the, in that video, the desire to get the word of God into the hands of the people. And they're people who work 
for years, have you seen already, it's taken 16 years to revise the Spanish Bible. People work for years and years sometimes to provide the Word of God. It took 27 years to complete the Nepali translation of the Bible under TBS uh, oversight. Well, we're thankful for the way in which the Lord gives these people perseverance and uh, consistency in their work and their longing desire for the Word of God to be placed in the hands of the people. Now, I'd like to move on to some of the translation work that we are working on at the present time. Just one or two translations I may have time to mention briefly. Perhaps I'll just share with you a letter, first of all, from Kenya. We have lots of requests for scriptures from African countries. There's a genuine hunger for God's word in various parts of the world. It's not something you like to hear about in the news generally, certainly not in the UK. BBC are very shy about talking about spiritual things, certainly not when it comes to the truth anyway. But we had a letter from a man in Kenya. We'd never heard of this man before. He was asking for free Bibles. Now, when we get such requests, we want to know a bit more about the person who's asking for Bibles because it may surprise you to know the good book that says, Thou shalt not steal, is the very book that sometimes is obtained by dishonest means. And these people know that if they can get hold of, say, 300 free Bibles from TBS, they can sell them and make a lot of money. So I think it's important for the sake of our supporters to know we have a vetting process. We ask significant questions. It may be they know someone that we know in their home area who can vouch for their integrity. Well, this man got the green light and he was delighted to hear the news and uh, he went on to ask if we could possibly send someone to Kenya to talk about the work of TBS. Well, we do have limitations regarding travelling, but we did the next best thing. We set up a Zoom meeting for him and gave him two lectures. He wanted to record it, so he sent it on by email to his friends. And this is something relatively new for TBS, to be able to reach so many people by online means today, because since the lockdown, all the problems that uh, uh, created for us, but so many people now are set up with some online facility, so we can reach out in this way relatively easily. In fact, we had a request at the end of last year from... Karachi in Pakistan, we were told there's 150 pastors there who wanted to hear about the work of TBS, so we gave them two online lectures. I think that's particularly encouraging to hear that in a very strict Muslim country like Pakistan, there's a large number of pastors wanting to know about these principles in translation, and that's particularly encouraging. Now, just moving on then to one or two translations I want to mention briefly. Uh, first of all, let me say a few words about 